Hey listeners, it's Allison here. I just want to let you know that today's episode will be a little bit different. We recently had a chat with today's guest about his book of choice, but we also chatted about a lot of other really cool and important things. And when it came time to edit the episode, it uh, it became really, really difficult to cut any of that content because I thought it was really lovely and important. So uh, instead of making an insanely long episode in which we didn't talk about his book until over 40 minutes in, I thought we'd split it up and do a two-parter. So today what you will hear is a conversation with our guest Andres and Odorica about uh, isolation, about lockdown, about being creative in lockdown and the pressure to be that, uh, about representation in writing and in literature and in bookshops, uh, and a whole uh, lot of other things. Uh, We had just a lovely time chatting to him. So we will get to his book, The History of Love by Nicole Krauss, in our next episode. But uh, for today, we really hope that you enjoy uh, this conversation with a new friend. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna have to have a new introduction that doesn't. Uh, yeah, I'm a bit over this. It. Like, happy lockdown. Happy lockdown um, week, whatever, man. Yeah, no. just chilling, Time. doing my thing. Yeah. Um, welcome to life. Yeah. What's the latest in lockdown news on your side? I have none. <laughs> News for me, uh, last weekend we celebrated three years that I've had my dog. Yeah. It was our three-year gotcha-versary, as they call it. Um, (laughs) And then tomorrow, or as you're listening to it, this past Saturday was (laughs) Bowie's fifth birthday. So lots going on in dog-related news. He's... Did the to you know wait, you got to pay for that right? Fuck that. Yeah, don't sing anything. No. Um, and he's gonna be <laughs> five, or he is now five years old. So I plan to just play David Bowie's Five Years" on a loop for the entirety of the day to celebrate. That sounds lovely and not remotely annoying after the fifth time. My flatmates will be fine with it. It's got a great <laughs> dr- that drum beat intro is <laughs> so good. Especially when you hear it over and over again. Yeah, nice. Speaking of geniuses, uh, we spent last night watching uh, an incredible (laughs) thing that's come out of lockdown, which is the National Theatre broadcasting incredible plays over YouTube for free. I wondered where that segue was going to (laughs) go. I'm really good at it. Just trust. Trust the flow. National Theatre at home. Which yes. um, I think this is the seventh or eighth week they've been doing it every Thursday, seven o'clock. Um, it's amazing. <laughs> Who knew that I was going to spend a lot of lockdown watching theatre? Because that seemed <laughs> like it wasn't going to be accessible. But they have such an amazing back catalogue of productions from, I think most of these have been from the last sort of five-ish years. Um, and it's been it's been amazing. It's like my highlight of the week. Have you watched culture. all of them? Um, I missed. I didn't watch Frankenstein because I really don't like Benedict Cumberbatch. Sorry, um, to people that like Benedict Cumberbatch. 
Uh, but yeah, pretty much. And then cool. last night, which I also saw in the olden days live, um, and have been literally raving at anyone that will sit down long enough to hear for about three years. So it was amazing to see it and have other people see it as well so that I can rave some more. The place she is talking about uh, is a streetcar named Desire by Tennessee Williams, starring the impeccable, incredible gorgeous, stunning, talented creature that is Gillian Anderson, who I have loved since the 90s and I'm continuously blown away by. Uh, she was unbelievable. I like I was yeah. speechless for so long after. And you know me, I'm never fucking speechless. <laughs> it is. Um, she yeah, she gives just one of the most extraordinary performances of one of the most devastating and layered characters of one of the world's best plays so um you know not much going on there really uh but yeah it's just absolutely mind-blowing so i've i've never seen anything like it it's one of my favorite productions of anything i've ever seen on the stage um and her performances as blanche dubois which is such a difficult character to portray because there's so much going on in her um it's just the most extraordinary performance i've ever seen and she blows you away blows everyone away it's uh yeah crazy amazing yeah it was it was stunning it was amazing almost as stunning segue number two let's see how many segues i can fit into this episode almost as stunning an evening as the evening we spent with our good friends on a netflix party Watching the feature film book club. Uh, what a night that was, except that wow. you had no idea what was going on. I was entirely confused by so many of the elements. <laughs> um, yeah. So we did a Netflix party with uh, some people in our Facebook group. So join up the Facebook group because you can have... Fun lockdown activities with us because we have <laughs> nothing else to do but spend time with you. And the best part about it was guess who joined us? Me! And also Gail. Gail, more, more important. <laughs> I realise no that that's what you actually meant after <laughs> I enacted my narcissism. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. So Gail joined us and proved uh, to all of our friends that she is insane and Gail very was, very funny Gail was highly inappropriate many many times um yeah. Gail needed some sort of Gail Gail hi Gail you, hi, Gail. you need to like x-rate yourself next time. and she was sober because it was the afternoon for her <laughs> yeah. in Canada she's drinking I, iced tea mm-hmm, yeah iced iced I'm doing allegedly I'm doing I'm doing the bunny ears everyone iced tea allegedly mm-hmm. drinking iced tea Anyway, so join us on Facebook, on our Facebook group, uh, and we're going to do it again because we had so much fun, and I guess we'll have to pick... A film that I won't understand. (laughs) We'll watch something based on a book, probably. (laughs) Um, I have no segue from that into this, um, (laughs) because very different. Um, From one book club to another, let's discuss ours. (laughs) (laughs) Segway three. Nailed it. Shall I tell the lovely people who is coming today? We continue 
our travels through queer Scotland. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. But th- I think this is the last one. Oh, no. Nice. Other than Siobhan, who's... Episode we will uncover at some point. (laughs) Still in isolation. Miss you, Siobhan, sorry. Today's guest is Andres N. Orderica, who is a queer Latinx writer and educator based in Edinburgh, Scotland. He creates worlds with characters who are from neither here nor there. His writing often addresses themes of queerness, liminality, loss, love, and concepts of belonging. Come on down, Andres. Andres, welcome. Thank you for having me. We're Thank super you for excited. coming. Yes. I'm sure you had so many other plans being in lockdown. Oh, yes. You know, Fridays are quite busy for me. You know, it's either the couch or the bedroom. <laughs> How to choose. And are, are they both exclusive clubs or can anyone sort of rock up and... Uh, well, according to um, government policy, no, only my partner who I live with can okay. enter. That's that okay. seems fair. <laughs> I'm glad you're. That was a test to make sure you're keeping in line with the government. Yeah, yeah you never uh, know who's listening. Exactly. Well, they're all Nic- listening. Nicola Sturgeon is like, <laughs> I'm on to them. To be fair, if anyone's going to be listening, I'd rather that Nicola Sturgeon. We've got Boris listening. Yes. So of the two, I feel like I'd rather Nicola. Hi, Nicola. Hi, Nicola. Hello, Nicola. Love she you. loves books. She, she might does be love listening. books. Yeah, she. Well, yeah. we should tweet her and tell and her. And she's that we... locked down, so she's she, probably reading she them is. right now. And we've had a spate of Scottish ab- uh, ab- abiding, <laughs> aboding. That neither of those work. Uh, people that live in Scotland. People that live in Scotland. Uh, specifically, like queer writers that live in Scotland. We've had a bunch of you guys. I've on. noticed, and they're all friends of mine i think yes we just were all like ducks in a row following each other it's so fun well it's all started with siobhan who i don't know if you heard michael's episode i think we we said that we locked down her episode (laughs) is in lockdown it's it's locked in the studio in soho and we can't get to it so she she was the first to record she was meant to be on like two months ago uh, and she's the one that tweeted and said to all of you guys, like, yeah, yeah. You all and said, oh, my God, come on this podcast. And we haven't even put her episode out. Oh, no. <laughs> Thankfully, she's being very nice about it. But uh, we'll get there. It'll be like a big reveal when uh, <laughs> when she finally we get that episode saved. But oh, well, um, <laughs> until then. I, I was going to say back, you already commented on it, but I'm taking the questionable choice to drink and podcast again which last time <laughs> i think it went very well last time <laughs> michael and i basically each drank a bottle of wine whilst talking I, about the gay vampires i saw your the tweet that he had written about that it was like oh this is going to be a very fun podcast to join. <laughs> well in fairness though your book is like a little less fun yeah <laughs> Yo, yeah it's uh, yeah i yeah. i I think it would be hard to find any part of it that is... Well, there's plenty of elements, but yeah, it's kind of heart-wrenching. I feel like yeah. it's less appropriate to be, like, drunk on red wine and laughing about your <laughs> sexual orientation to vampiric beings. Invented yeah. a word. Good start. Thanks. Then, uh, you know, your one, which is a bit more... Um, well... 
there's no there's no room for laughter when the holocaust is involved you know it's it's quite hard to laugh at holocaust it's still too soon still probably always will be yeah too soon yeah just in case anyone was wondering (laughs) that's my impression of the whole thing anyway (laughs) i feel like we're not there yet no um thank god anyway we'll get to the holocaust uh first uh Andres, let's get to know you a bit more. Uh, first okay. of all, I mean, we hear you're going between the, the, the couch and the bedroom, like two yeah. very important places. How overall is lockdown going for you? You know, I've been describing it as a roller coaster. I think I have a lot of peaks, but then I definitely have the lows. Oh, I think yeah. as to be expected. I think this week I've fe- I've the antsiness and boredom have really hit. And I know that's a very privileged position to be in. And I try to be very mindful as I talk about that. But I think it's hard, yeah, to not feel some sort of strangeness kind of percolating amongst everything. Um, and also being sort of a writer myself, I think trying to continue to be creative is both... Uh, a lifeline during this but then also it can be really hard sometimes it's just like i can't be arsed like i need to you know watch trashy tv or i need to go outside and scream into the ether or um my favorite thing has been to you know put on sunglasses and go walk around a park and cry um (laughs) (laughs) and like in a way, like, I, I know it sounds very jokey, but it's really good because I think during lockdowns or during quarantine, when you're not supposed to interact with people you don't live with, it kind of allows that space. So at least it feels um, somewhat normal. And I know we'll get in the book, but I've read this book about five times and rereading it again ahead of recording with you both. It was really interesting to read parts of of the character of Leo and that need to be seen. So like, you know, like when you're, when I'm going through like my moments of being really low, like just even if these are people who do not know my name, who I will not remember that I passed while wearing sunglasses, walking through a park crying, it's at least felt like somewhat normal. Like I exist in this really weird world that we're in right now. So yeah, I would say it's a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a really... accurate at least to my experience description of it it's like that's what I keep saying too when people ask me is like it's kind of every one day at a time because I never Mm -hmm. know if it's going to be a super fine day where I'm just like going about my business I'm home I like my flat I like my flatmates I love my dog we're hanging out all the time it's great um or it's going to be a day where I am a zombie and just like stare at a wall because I can't be bothered to do anything, even at something I love, like read a book or mm. create art or even watch trashy TV. Sometimes I'll just click through Netflix and be like, I can't find anything I am compelled to watch right now. Yeah. And those those days yeah. are tough. And there are days that I almost feel like I should cry, like where I'm like trying to find some emotion. Like I need some really like mm. something's got to like break here. Uh, so maybe I'll try sunglasses in the park next time that happens and see if I can just like unleash it. Yes. I'm, I'm right by Battersea Park. It's a huge park. <laughs> I can be very distant and just cry my eyes out. I'm going to try that next time. I definitely find the um, that thing. And I did think about this as well when I was reading the book, that thing of existence, because I live by myself. So I will often go really long times without either hearing my own voice or hearing another person's voice. 
And then when you do hear another person's voice or you have a conversation, you're like, oh, what, what is that? Um, it's a bit <laughs> weird. Um, and I don't know. And, but exactly like you said, I feel sort of a bit bad saying that because I am incredibly lucky to, you know, be by myself, have my cat, have everything that I could possibly need, have my home, have the space. You know, it's not like I'm... Yeah, I just have a, a lot of privilege. But I do... Um, I do you do sort of feel like you don't exist after a while and then on those low days it kind of feels like well maybe I don't even want to go away everyone mm-hmm. just I'm in this hole now I'm yeah. just gonna stay here I don't I don't even want any interaction anymore um, and it's 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 really strange and I think it's one of those things that we don't notice I'm I'm quite an introverted person anyway but I do go to my local pub and I will go and sit and have a drink with friends and I'll do I'll, I'll interact with people on a pretty regular basis and it it is strange to not even have the ability to do that and then realise how much simple things like even just talking to the person in the shop when you go and buy something, like really simple things like that, how much you miss it and how much it is a part of your life when you, you maybe just, you know, you don't think about it before because you're plodding along with life and we don't really take the time to think about those little things, but they actually do make us. Yeah. It's funny. I was having a a chat with my friend Trelawney who lives in France yesterday and she asked me what, like, what was the thing I was looking forward to most when, you know, lockdown lifts, Uh, which obviously will be a phase thing anyway, so it won't be immediate. But I said the two things that I miss most that I just really want to do are go to the pub and have a pint of draft beer because I I can't remember the last time. Well, it was the night, the last night the pubs were open. Uh, That's when I stole this pint glass. Don't tell. Uh, sorry, Latchmere. Great. Let me just announce my crime. Um, but so it's it's going to a pub and having a draft beer and like going to a coffee shop and having someone else make me a coffee, but mm. sitting there with a book. And either one, it's not necessarily about being like interacting with people. It's just about being around people. I love people watching and I love to go and sit in a cafe and not talk to anyone, but with a book and just have that energy around. Um, and I don't think I realized how important that was until now like it like you said it's not necessarily about like being crazy extroverted it's it's literally just like missing that energy of knowing other humans are around so yeah when I go outside you know same as you go to the park and it's like okay there's still people we're still here people are still around like life is going on it's just uh it's a very strange time for sure yeah I think you know it's just that abil- I think it's the choice. And like you, you were saying back, it's like, it's something that you take for granted, it, but in an understandable way. Like, I think we all took it for granted because it, who could have seen anything like this coming? And so when, when you're sort of, your, your choice in life or your, you even feel like your own agency is disrupted or taken away from you, that things kind of do become more apparent. Um, but I agree, like, a lot of the things I miss aren't necessarily, <laughs> it's going to be terrible if friends do listen to this, I do miss my friends, but I think <laughs> it is those things of just being around other people and being able to people watch and feel life, you know, I, I think my top two things would be going to the pub and then going to my favorite bookshop in Edinburgh, Lighthouse, and, like, I love chatting to everyone there and I'm really close to all of the staff. But I really just like being by myself in that space with other people, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know? totally makes sense. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. yeah I, I, I've started to feel really bad because we've had the, like, you can go and see one person in a park thing. And I feel a bit bad because I'm like, I don't so much want to see anyone. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not like, it's not that I've met, mi- like you say, I obviously massively miss my friends, but I'm not desperate to, like, go out and, like, do a thing, mm. whatever that is. It's that being being able to be in life it's exactly that like I want to be by myself in life and there's not a lot of life happening in my home very often you know it unless I'm creating it myself and I'm I'm sleepy so that doesn't happen very much um and the cats sleep for like 20 hours a day so that doesn't happen very much but it's being able to be alone in a space which you isn't that you don't have to create maybe that doesn't have to be built around you or by you that's what I miss. I don't need to go and have an activity or do a thing or there'd be some sort of social event that I have to go and interact with. I just want to be able to exist in a different space of life somewhere. Um, and you can't. And that's shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Or something more poetic than that. Oh, I think shit, <laughs> shit is very accurate. Um, so obviously you are a writer and you said it's can be a struggle right now, but it's also a lifeline. How, how have you found, how have you found writing? Can you expand on that in any way? Like are things just flowing out of you or are you feeling really stumped or how's it going? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I feel I've been quite fortunate in the weird way that this has kind of occurred with my current writing project because I'm working on my first novel um, and I, I was quite a ways in, in in a sense when lockdown started so I think having that to chip away at has been quite helpful um, and I think just by the nature of I really like the story that I'm working on and the characters and sort of the world. And in a way, a lot of it is built a- around sort of my own experiences of, of the character that I'm, I'm writing about and sort of where he or these two characters where they are in life, which is sort of 18, kind of still in the closet, but very aware of their sexuality and kind of exploring that. And I think it's been nice in a way to have these memories to sift through, to try to remember, you know, textures and smells and what does it feel like to go into your club the first time and to kind of feel liberated sexually, to be with the person or the kind of person that you are like, that you like. And in that space, you feel that you're allowed, you know, that you don't have these societal constraints. So in a way, it's sort of like what you're saying back about being able to exist outside, like, it, it, by writing this novel right now, I get to exist outside of these four walls because I get to remember all of those things. And, you know, it's not autobiographical in any way, but there are experiences that I'm writing from that then I get to revisit. So it's set in the same university town that I went to university for my undergrad. So it's been really nice to just explore and go on Google and remember, okay, what are the names of streets? And actually, you know, what is the geography of this place I'm writing about? And then part of the novel is set in the north of Mexico where my mom's family comes from. And even getting to explore that and like just doing my writerly research of like what kind of trees grow there and like how big is the desert where my mom's family is from and what, you know, what um, 
how cold does it get in the summer? And these things that kind of take me outside of my, you know, little Georgian flat in Edinburgh and, and it feels like life, that there's life beyond this and that there will be life after this. And I think working on a big project like that has been really helpful because there is an end goal that I hope will exist beyond this. And I think having that purpose has really helped. But that's not to say there's not, there has totally been days where I've just like, I cannot write. Like I'm not in the headspace. I don't want to write. It would be disingenuous to myself as a writer to think, oh, I'm just gonna, you know, get through it. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's good because it kind of, for me, psychologically, it's been a bit of a barometer to say, how am I feeling today? Can I really get into this? Can I really commit? Or what can I take on? Maybe I don't want to write new scenes right now. So maybe all I have the energy for is to revisit what I wrote, you know, over the past few days. Um, but I think creatively, I'm very grateful that I had this project at this time. I think it'd be really hard for me to try to create something totally from scratch, you know, to think, okay, I, you know, they, everyone keeps talking about creative people and how we need to leverage this time. And if I had to be in a place where it's like, just come up with something because you're never going to get this much amount of time again, I think that would be really hard. And I don't think I would have been in the mental space. I think it really is just by virtue of being quite a bit through the novel that I felt like, okay, I, I'm in a place where I can do this. Yeah, and again, it's a little I think less little... like daunting when it's yeah. already something in progress. Yeah, and I think you know, I I know, you know, for me, I feel very privileged to have that because I think, you know, I think anyone's sort of experience of this and their mental health, how they're dealing with this, is totally valid. And if you are someone who identifies as a creative person and you just have not had any creative outputs during this, that is totally fair because you know. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I think there's been chapters in my life where I, like, you know, mental health has taken over or I've been through lows and it's just have not been able to do work. And, you know, when you're facing things like a global pandemic and there's just so many unknowns, I think however anyone is able to get through this, if it's in a healthy way, that's the best way. And if it doesn't mean you're coming out of this with a, a novel deal or with an Oscar, a potentially Oscar winning script, you know, or even like things as much as like, even if you don't bother to bake sourdough bread during it, <laughs> you still are all right. You're not a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. My flatmate has a starter sitting on our stove. I'm like, I'm not going near that thing. I don't know what it is. There's a hell of a lot of, expectation both that we put on ourselves and we we take on board from what you know exactly what everyone else is like oh look at the banana bread I did today oh look at the thing I did blah, 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 blah. like I got up and that may well be it um and that's fine <laughs> but I I also I, I noticed sort of that there's this obviously this period and another period in my life and I've had people sort of say to me like oh what a great opportunity to create something you had you have or you had all this time and both in this period and that period were the least creative times of my life but there's an expectation because for some reason time equals creativity which 
I didn't think is a thing. I think it's the thing that, you know, you always say like, oh, if I just could like lock myself away somewhere in a cabin in the woods with no distractions, then I would write the novel or write the album or learn the skill. And we all do say that. Like, I'm super Mm. guilty of thinking that. But then once it happens, you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. But it's that. But but time isn't a tool. Like, it's just it's just passing. It's yeah. not. It's I mean, not it's helpful actually, if you have it when yeah. you're feeling inspired. But in itself, like, luckily it's, you it's, do. It's not a resource. It's not a. It's not a tool. It's not the thing that sparks. What sparks is life and emotion and challenge and things that we see, things that we feel, things that we do. And you can have thirty seconds and experience one of those things feeling doing being and something will spark or you can have 30 hours or 30 months like it it's irrelevant time in itself is irrelevant but we've got into this habit because of expectation that we both put in ourselves and that is put on us that time equates purpose or meaning or substance and it doesn't it's literally just passing so yeah what you said (laughs) <laughs> no, but that's really true. And like, I think it's such a valuable point because I think we do operate in a very capitalist society. So I think for a lot of people, time has a monetary value. And so you should be spending time, like even that phrase to spend time, you know, yeah. it's like a currency. And so then a product should come from that, you know, but it's so it's so true. Like what you're saying, Alison, I think a lot of times, too, it's people out with the creative community, too. Like, I know I've been guilty of saying it, but I think I've heard it more from people who have never attempted to do something creative who always say, oh, yeah. you know, I've You're always so had a novel in me. And <laughs> yeah. if I were able to or, you know, like, oh, I like going to galleries. I think if I could just sit down with some paintbrushes, I could be the next Monet. could you though (laughs) yeah I I can definitely say that one of the things I learned especially when I was doing my master's less so when I was doing my undergrad but when I was doing my master's the one thing I 1000% learned from that that is no you don't have a novel in you (laughs) like because the amount of people on my course who were people that had 100% said that throughout their life who had sort of were in their 40s 50s working in some other like were engineered like working some other completely unrelated field who had definitely decided that then appeared and I like did not have a creative bone in their body which is fine that's absolutely fine we have this weird like idealism like of the sort of renaissance man you know like the the height the height of greatness is the poet and the musician and the maker and the doer and the politician all wrapped into one. And so we've created this sort of hierarchical thing that, oh, you know, I'm sure if I could only write a great novel or win this great prize, just be a fucking engineer. If you're a really good engineer, be an engineer. I don't need a novel about you being an engineer. You're not a writer. (laughs) I'm not an engineer. Like... (laughs) that's fine (laughs) but we have this weird thing about like this is a sort of pinnacle of a person if you could create the ideal man or woman they would be able to tick every single one of these books they'd be able to do long division and write a paragraph like (laughs) pick one i'm less concerned about the long division to be honest (laughs) but i'm in my 30s and i'm single so my standards are lower (laughs) than they used to be (laughs) so i feel like we could go on about this forever i think that's a I'm really glad we had this conversation because I know I've been struggling with this thought of like, you have that time now, like, 
you know, you always said like you would write that record or whatever. And um, just to give you like the tiniest snippet of a backstory, Beck and I are both basically former musicians who uh, unfortunately <laughs> have physical ailments <laughs> upon us that uh, have ripped away our dreams, as it were. So uh, Beck had some hearing uh, loss and I got vocal no- nodules uh, and lost my voice. So this podcast was actually birthed from, well, we can't sing anymore. What do we do now? Um, And we're like, we like books, I guess. And we talk a lot of shit. So let's talk a lot of shit about books. Hey. Um, But I keep like looking out of the corner of my eye. I've got this, it's called a gitalele. It's basically like a mini guitar. (laughs) So it's sitting in the corner and I keep looking at it like, maybe you should just like try to like get your voice back up to like write a song. I haven't written. I haven't done anything since I lost my voice and I'm keep it keeps like going around in circles in the back of my head like you should use this time and try to open that side of yourself up again but I'm to be honest I'm too scared I think um and so it's refreshing to have these conversations and and remind myself that it's okay it's absolutely okay not to go there if I don't feel ready to go there and like just because I have the time to do so and the space to do so doesn't mean like I'm expected to do it. So um, so I'm glad you feel the same way. I'm just trying to think of other questions for you. This has gone on such a like beautiful <laughs> like tangent to the side. Um, so you mentioned, was it The Lighthouse, you said, is your favorite bookstore yes. in Edinburgh? So when you go there, like, is there a certain section you're drawn to first? Do you have like a, like a, a method of exploring a bookshop? Um, I do only because of their layout. So... I like it's so funny. I can visualize going into it. I usually <laughs> will go to, like straight to their LGBT and queer section and see like what new books they have. Um, and then I spend a lot of time in the fiction. You know, I I write a bit of poetry and I like poetry, but I've like I uh, my big love is fiction. And so I could spend hours there and I think they just have such great, like a great catalog of books. They're really big supporters of indie publishers all throughout the UK, but they actively support Scottish uh, indie publishers. And I think, you know, Scotland is a small nation. So just by virtue of that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to meet lots of writerly friends who then go on to publish books. So it's really, it's a nice space to go to and go to a friend's, you know, book launch there and just celebrate um, all things books. But yeah, like fiction is, you know, where as a reader and a writer, I think where my heart really lives. Um and yeah, what I love about The Lighthouse is it's really helped me explore more um, different writers. Like I did my undergrad in English literature and I got to, you know, I came across lots of brilliant writers, but I think it wasn't till I probably got a bit older and I started to write actively more and kind of search and hunt for representation that then I really started to question like, oh, wow. I don't think I've really read that many queer writers or I've never read that many writers of color or I've never read that many queer writers of color. Why is that? Do these <laughs> books exist? No. And, you know, there's there's lots of problems with publishing, but these books do exist. And it's nice to go to a space like Lighthouse with people who are really um, in the know and really proactively advocate for 
underrepresented or marginalized writers or indie publishers who are kind of doing really bold and brilliant things and then just totally expands like one's literary world and the kinds of books I've been able to read and the book even types of book events that I get to go to has really been sort of life-affirming for me to, to say like oh these types of writers exist and and that helps inform my own writing because as I start to work through things you know to realize you can be a queer writer and write you know postmodern stuff or you can you can be a writer of color and you don't have to always mention racial trauma like you could write science fiction if you want and like there's all these other things that exist that writers are doing and I think just by the nature of being able to read those books and see how writers write it helps me at least I feel to actually challenge myself more in the types of or in the ways that I write um yeah, I think that was like, I don't know, a very long-winded answer. <laughs> that was a great answer. I've, I think um, Beck and I have found we've been kind of challenging ourselves this year. We kind of realized when we first started the podcast last year, um, I mean, obviously we're not picking the book, so it's it's not necessarily always in our control, but we, we made a point uh, when we started season two that we like really, really wanted um, to try to feature as many uh, kind of minority writers. So people of color, LGBTQ, I mean, a lot of books are written by white men and mm -hmm. a lot of great books are written by mm -hmm. white men, but they've, you know, we, we've heard about you. A lot <laughs> like, of really bad books are written a by A lot of really bad books. Like a really bad, a lot of really bad books. Which you are more likely to read than you are to read a brilliant book by mm -hmm. a black woman. But I, I think there's... Um, this is going to sound like such a stupid thing to say. That's fine. Um, My whole last sentence sounded completely <laughs> like white girl trying to be woke. No. But uh, representation is a really good idea. Representing people, <laughs> all people, on an equal level is a really good thing to do. And I think often we get into this accidental way of thinking that, oh, that book is not for me because I'm not a disabled black woman or I'm not a young gay man or I'm so I read these books I will purely read Jane Austen um because I'm a white woman from Hampshire and that's all I'm gonna read because that's the book for me so they're there and I'm single and she's dead I'm not that but I meant she died single and whatever um <laughs> So and we, we get into this thing that I have to read this book because this is mine and so I won't go into the LGBT section because I'm a heterosexual white man or whatever it is. And like, I don't know. And I think this starts with education. I think it starts really back in school of bringing those voices to people because of course those books are for you. Of course, every book is for you. And actually the more opportunity we have to connect with voices from different backgrounds, working class backgrounds, different sexualities, different genders, different ability, whatever the fuck it is, the more likely we are actually to find ourselves and who we are in the space and the person that we want to be and connect and build better relationships with others. And it definitely does not mean that you as a heterosexual white man can start speaking for a gay black woman, but you definitely can listen. 
And that's what we need to start doing, is listening to the voices which are around us all the time, but we don't think are for us. They're for mm. us if we start to hear them. They're not for us to speak for. And that's the difference. Yeah. And that's where we get confused. So I'm kind of... On, I, I love when a bookshop or a, a film or whatever environment it is has um, a really stocked section uh, for those different voices. But I also want people to know that actually every section is yours. So, you know, yeah. there's no difference between a, a, a fiction book which is labelled as purely fiction or or the LGBT queer section fiction books. They're still they're still fiction books. It's still a story. It's still either a good or a bad story. Like you don't just not go in there because you have to stay in the fiction book for normal people. Like we need to break down some of that. And yeah. as long as we don't start speaking for people who we don't have the ability to speak for because that's not our experience, we can listen and learn from every and anyone and we should do that more and that's the end of my rant about representation (laughs) my god this this has been like the most like mental health awareness like i it is it's it's eight weeks of lockdown allison this is what happens (laughs) we're just getting deep 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 into philosophical discussions about life as humans on this planet so that's what this podcast is about but it's also about books so Because I'm afraid of asking any other question before we even get to talking about today's book, I will ask the question of the intro um, and ask you, Andres, uh, are you team paperback or team plinth? All right, well, how's that for a cliffhanger to leave you on? (laughs) Uh, Tune in to the next episode to find out not only whether or not Andres is Team Paper or Team Plinth, but also to hear him chat ever so eloquently about why he chose the book The History of Love by Nicole Krauss. We have a great conversation about that coming to you soon. Uh, In the interim, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YowPod for both of those. Uh, You can find our Facebook group, join in, uh, get involved in the next Netflix party or whatever else we come up with. Uh, And you can support us on Patreon and get some extra content and goodies for yourself. That's patreon.com slash YowPod. Of course, if you would like to be a guest on your own words and tell us about a book you love, please apply at yowpod.com. We hope you are all staying safe and staying home, and we will chat with you very soon.